Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube, and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania podcast. I am your host, Rob Goodwin, and we are talking NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. We're reviewing our experience of going. We were there. We were there shouting, are you watching Vince McMahon? Turns out he was. And I say we because I'm joined by Chris. How are you, Chris? Hello, it's me, the hungover bachelor of Pod Mania. <laughs> ah. Suffering a bit, are we, mate? I, I wish you didn't shout about intro. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is also the reason we're not joined by Garth Knox. He's hungover, but because he is ill. Apparently, going out to Blackpool with me and Chris does not mix well with Garth, and he has unfortunately had to ring in sick for this podcast. Um, we're sorry. He's we met late. some interesting characters in Black. We met some interesting characters in Blackpool, didn't we? We did. We did. We met some lovely guys. We spoke to a lot of lovely guys at uh, the actual show, though the dickheads behind me who were hammered out of their face and were trying to get themselves over, you guys can fuck off. The guy to the right of me, he wouldn't mark out for fucking anything. You can fuck off. There was a guy on his laptop for the entire show, which was incredible. I did not see that. Did you not? It really? was on Twitter afterwards, yeah. There was a guy taking, just on his laptop. Notes for- podcast clearly clearly but didn't didn't chance oh, the guy anything. Out business cards. guy who's handing out business cards lost that uh, lost art of podcasting i've got the card here um find us all on good podcast players the lost art of podcasting with the creator adam cox there you go you got yourself a free shout out mate um and also um, who lovely irish lad the in... lovely irish lad in the pub and the guy who threw up everywhere everywhere oh apart yeah from the toilet absolutely so, yeah, and then there's the short guy at McDonald's who wanted to fight me because I was tall. That was interesting. Yeah, apparently you just attract trouble. Who knew that? Um, as for the guy who did throw up everywhere in the castle toilets, um, it, it was a fairly impressive feat for you to throw up all the way around the rim, not in the bowl, because I know for a fact you didn't flush it, all around the bowl and into the urinal, from where you were, that's that's exorcist levels of vomit, and I applaud you, uh, good sir. And it says it's from Manchester. That sounds like a Glasgow move if I've ever heard one. It did, and the Irish guy that we were talking to said they they'd been drinking since something like two o'clock in the afternoon. This was about half past eleven. The Manchester guy just could not keep up with the Irish guy, as though you know the stereotype needed any more enforcing. Um, so it was it was a great night. We managed to talk to a lot of great people. And to be honest, Scott, uh, Chris, before we get into some news, overall experience, what did you think? Oh, fun. I love being in Blackpool. Um, as much of a shithole that it actually is, I just love Blackpool. There's something about it. Like, every British person loves it. Yeah, it's, it's sort of our staple. It's sort of our seaside resort, even though it is 
a little bit scammy in places. Um, and, you know, there was places where we were walking to try and find a pub to go afterwards to discuss the show. And there was places I was genuinely concerned I might get stabbed. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. I think that adds to adds to the appeal of the place. Um, but overall, I mean, it was the first time me, you and Garth had met each other. And hopefully it certainly won't be the last. But we had a great time. The show was amazing. The atmosphere was amazing. We got the crowd at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool has got so many Holy plaudits. shit, yeah, the crowd. The crowd were incredible. Every single match, even, you know, the slower paced matches, the crowd were into. It was such a fun crowd to be part of. And the, the event flew by. I mean, you know, two mm. and a half hours. It did not feel like two and a half hours at all. No, it did not. Like, I was surprised when it was over. And there was more than that because we had most of the pre-show before that um, that we watched. We only missed Lagero versus Dude. Saxon I forget Huxley. the dude. Yeah, there we go. Um, but like, even the pre-show was good. Um, Garth was first time seeing half these people marking out at everything on the pre-show. Like, he fucking loves Ginny. Loves how much of a heel she is. <laughs> we will get into the show in a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Sort of our experiences sort of dotted in. And I'm I'm sorry that it's taken so long to get the podcast out there. Unfortunately, my microphone wouldn't correlate with my laptop and we had issues in that respect. But um, I'm glad that we've waited a week now because there's been a lot more fun. And I think if we'd have done the podcast straight after the show, we'd have just given every match a fantastic result because, you know, of the atmosphere and actually being there. I think now, mm. having had time to you know look back, think about it, it might be interesting to sort of think how our opinions have changed. Before, well, I've rewatched the show since then. Pardon? I've rewatched the show since then, so I have two different perspectives on yes. that. Yes, yeah, and I've certainly watched. I've so I've watched the main event and the tag match again because I wanted to see what it was like with the commentary and how it came across on TV. Um, before that, though, let's get into some news. Just one piece of news today, uh, Chris, because obviously there is a fuckload of Wrestle Kingdom fallout we need to talk about tomorrow. Um, oh, Lord. Just speaking about NXT UK news, um, they have recently announced, in fact, on Tuesday, it was broken that Ilya Dragunov has signed a NXT UK deal and will be showing up at NXT UK tapings. Now, you know a lot more about this scary motherfucker than I do. However, I did a little bit of research, and from what I've seen and the matches that he's had, fucking hell, this guy is brilliant. He is one of the standouts of WXW, which is not something I watch religiously, but it's things I've seen bits and pieces of, and holy actual fuckballs, he is great. Um, If you want an introduction... Pete Dunn, his match at Wembley against Pete Dunn. There's a reason it was called a European Dream Match. I did not know much about him before that, but boy, do I want to know more. Um, if you want a more later thing to look forward to, he's taking on Joe Coffey at Squago for ICW. But yeah, he's so good. Everything about him is great. He's really scary. Like when he smiles, you're scared. You know when how like Pete Dunn smiles? It's weird. It's yeah. kind of like that, except he smiles all the time. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I like that. <laughs> but, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring this up with you, uh, Chris, is because mm. now Ilya Dragunov has got dates that he needs to sort of see out. I know that he's wrestling for WrestleGate Pro next week, uh, the newly established mm. WrestleGate Pro, and I know he's got dates with people like Progress and things like that that he needs to see out. Over the next couple of months, WWE is adding these people to its roster. Okay, and I want you to listen to the level of talent that WWE at the moment is snapping up. 
Kushida, Trevor Lee, Walter, mm-hmm. Ali mm-hmm. Dragunov, Jonah Rock, Shane mm-hmm. Strickland, mm-hmm. Kaylee Ray, Viper, Jazzy Gabert, and ACH. Now, I know that when this news first broke about WWE UK talent being tied down to these contracts, which meant that they couldn't work with certain talents of other companies, you look at the level of talent that they are signing, and we had loads of people saying it's not going to destroy the UK scene, it's not going to destroy the UK scene. There is only, there's finite numbers of wrestlers in the UK, Mm -hmm. okay? And Will Ospreay summed this up beautifully in a tweet, just saying, so who am I actually allowed to fight now? Because he comes over to the UK and genuinely, apart from Rev Pro, where he's safe because the talent is signed to different deals, who the fuck is left? I mean, one thing I will say before I actually ask your opinion on that, Chris, is Viper. Now, when Kaylee Ray mm-hmm. was sort of unveiled at NXT UK TakeOver and she got a huge pop, fantastic because she's excellent, um, she was currently uh, World of Sport Women's Champion. Now, mm-hmm. spoilers for those who haven't seen it. Um, she has dropped the title. Oh, it's to... just a house show. That's not being televised. It's oh, okay, show, then, fair enough then. She has dropped the title in a triple threat between herself, Viper, and B Priestley. Viper is the new World of Sport Women's Champion, though it has been announced that Viper has also been signed to NXT UK. According to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, and this is why this is extremely interesting, and this will sort of leak into our news podcast tomorrow on um, on the happenings in New Japan and All Elite Wrestling, She's. it's been said that she is making almost double any of the other women in NXT UK because she was shown interest by All Elite Wrestling. And, of course, there is a rumour going around at the moment that WWE, if they are fighting with All Elite Wrestling or, indeed, any other promotion after losing Bandido to Ring of Honor, they are going to almost double their offer. They are going to match and double any offer provided by anyone else, which means that people like Viper, Kaylee Ray, people like that, who would otherwise be signed for pittance, really, are going to be signed for Mm -hmm. fucking massive deals, considering that NXT is Mm -hmm. still, you know, in inverted commas, a developmental territory. Yeah, that's that's great for them, to be fair. Like, there's nothing but good for the actual talent. It's just really bad for promotions, really. But... I don't know, that, that makes me excited. Like, I, I'm excited that, especially with how good the scene for women's wrestling is in the UK, that people are going to be offered, those women are going to be offered such high amounts because whenever they've used, like, Kaylee Ray on WWE or NXT TV or the Mayan Classic, they've sort of just jobbed her out, weirdly enough, despite the fact she's probably, like, top three in the whole UK. And in terms of Viper, she has a unique look. Like, even compared to someone like Nia Jax or Jordan Grace, who sort of have a big woman thing going, or Jazzy Gabbett, who just got signed. Um, she, she still has a very unique look. She has a unique style. And she can also fucking go, if you don't believe me, watch anything she's ever done with Tony Storm. But, yeah, it's it, it's good for the talent, but, like, for actual promotions, this could be bad, because WWE have basically infinite pockets. Yeah, and that's where we are going to have issues because companies like ICW, and I know that you said progress would be okay, I think the rate that they are signing people at the moment, and this is going to hit progress hard because, again, and and Mm -hmm. women's wrestling, there is a finite number of women's wrestlers, and especially there are a finite 
and level of women's wrestlers at the level of Viper, Kaylee Ray, you know, people like that. You're not going to find people of that caliber all the time. I can't think of many women's wrestlers who aren't signed to either World of Sport or somewhere else or WWE. And like is... I was about, I was about to say Millie McKenzie, but I just remembered she signed. She just haven't been used for weeks. Um, God, there's no one. Um, fucking Nixon Neal signed. Um, yeah, because they've had to resort to a progress have resorted to a, using U.S. talent for their pro in Jordan Grace because I don't think there's many left in. I think I'd know more if. I watched Pro Wrestling Eve, but yeah, that's sad for UK women's wrestling, thinking about it. Yeah, and you know, the monopolization of WWE over wrestling is certainly starting to take into effect, and which is, you know, we'll talk tomorrow about All Elite Wrestling, which seems to be the elephant in every single wrestling podcast at the moment. Um, Understandably, with, you know, the waves they're making, but it seems to be making WWE dig into their pockets, which, you know, for the wrestlers is certainly a good thing for independent fans and for, you know, wrestling companies definitely that aren't under that WWE umbrella, people like OTT and um, ICW and things like that, you know, that are going to get shut down anyway. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a hard graft over the next couple of years, definitely. Um, speaking of women's wrestling, oh, and this I is think, some... Um... Oh, I'm sorry. I think um, Jens Mormon and um, the other one from Progress have jobs in NXT UK, so I think we're fine. Yeah, it's just a shame that Progress yeah. isn't going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, absolute shame. It's my favourite promotion. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of talking about women's wrestling, the sort of a follow-up on uh, what we reported a couple of couple of weeks ago now um, about Dakota Kai, who it was rumoured had tore her ACL in her knee. Um, and sort of nothing else was said about it. Anyway, she's taken to Instagram this week to say that she is going in for surgery and it has happened. She was delivering a kick in an untelevised house show and just landed funny. And, you know, what a fucking shame because that woman is a real bright, shining light in NXT, the NXT she's women's division. So good. And to have an injury like that, and, you know, especially considering her team kit partner, Nixon Newell, is out with almost the exact same injury. It's it's a massive shame. It's a massive shame. Hopefully she'll recover quickly. It's it's a long road ahead. It's not an easy injury to come back from, uh, but hopefully she'll return soon and she'll return better than ever because Dakar guy is fantastic. Rhea Ripley's going to have a field day on Twitter. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> she really is. Um, so let's get <laughs> straight. Let's get straight into our NXT UK takeover sort of review. So we got there. And we got there just as El Laguerra beat Saxon Huxley, which is fine because no one gives a shit about mm-hmm. Saxon Huxley. Um, the next match was a women's match uh, between Isla Dawn and Ginny. Now, Chris, you can attest to this. I am not sold on Isla Dawn at Oh, you all. hate Isla Dawn. I don't hate Isla Dawn. I think she is a competent wrestler. I think she's got great strikes. But both me and you said at the show, stop Finish using that float-over fucking suplex. It's the most... It's just, it's an awful move. Anyway, it's just awkward. It is. It's an awkward move to get into. It's an awkward move to perform, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of impact for the person taking it. However, this match with Ginny, both of whom, you know, Isla Dawn and Ginny have both got very, very bright futures in NXT UK. Of that, I've got no doubt. This match was the best I've seen Isla Dawn look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's partly because Ginny's so fucking good, but. 
it's just yeah it was really great stuff that face buster off of the second rope was just brutal and just the fact that Daniel was like not anymore sweetheart boom just great stuff great heel work Garth was impressed yeah Garth very very much impressed very much in love with Jenny great heel work by her and you know that not now sweetheart that she shouted literally echoed around the Blackpool Empress Ballroom Um, she went over which is great she needs the win Isla Dawn good match if she can perform matches like that and these I believe were televised and shown in the last week this week's NXT Um, and yeah really good match nothing else we could ask for it from a Mm pre-show so then we got on to the match that honestly in the pre-show this could have opened any takeover it was a great 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 match between the European Union um, Bartel and Eichner taking on the face team of Andrews and Morgan Webster now the first things first and this was funny the first time I said it before my internet cut out the music (laughs) of Mark Andrews which anyone that listens to this with any regularity will know that we both absolutely despise it is the most contagious pop punk song in the world and me and Chris both unashamedly waving our hands like we just didn't care to the utter confusion of Garth who did not earlier in the day I had shown you the actual worst pop punk song ever oh yes you did yes you did (laughs) shout out to that song that was atrocious um but in all seriousness, this was a great match. And both mm. of us, I think, have said that the team of Bartel and Eichner, considering they were effectively thrown together, um, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, they've taken this really and just flowed yeah, with it. Yeah, it's an absolutely great team. And it's one of those things, it's like hell no, where it's like it shouldn't really work, but it worked pretty well. I'm glad it's a thing. I hope Walter joins them. It would be great. Yeah, you were talking about potentially starting the stable that uh, Bartel and Walter had in, um, was it WXW? WXW and Progress and basically everywhere they ever go. And I believe it was called the Ring Camp, is that right? Ring Camp, it's them and Timothy Thatcher. That's right. I remember I remember reading about it. See, I do my research. I do my research. Um, basically, this match was just, it was high-flying antics from Morgan Webster and Andrews, followed by absolute beasting moves from Eichner and just vicious, vicious strikes from Bartel. Bartel's kicks and PKs just sounded so, so savage. Suzuki level. They were unbelievable. They were so hard-hitting. Eichner, his power is unbelievable. Andrew, as much as I'm not a massive fan of, you know, the high-flying gimmick, and I hate, I hate the underdog gimmick, which Mark Andrews, unfortunately, due to his size, seems to be saddled with repeatedly. It mm-hmm. worked here. It you really also hate did. his move names. I do also hate his move names. I don't think that he should be allowed to have something called Stun Dog Millionaire. <laughs> Much as it's a decent move, it's a decent counter, I don't mind that. The fact that it's called Stun Dog Millionaire, what right do you have to call it that? What right do you have to call it that? It is an Indian film. What possible correlation is there between you doing that? Just because Slum sounds like Stun does not mean that you can use it as a fucking move name. <laughs> I didn't expect you to get that angry. I do you know what? I didn't either when I started that sentence, and clearly that's something that has been <laughs> wrangling with me for a long, long time. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> this match ultimately, anyway, this though... This match was great. Yeah, it ultimately ended with the European Connection... Uh, sorry, the European Union going over, which was the correct decision. Um, they look like a dominant force going forward, and they are a much-needed tag team in that tag team division. Mm-hmm. 
um, because ultimately at the moment we have Grizzled Young Veterans and Mustache Mountain, who we'll go into in a minute because they opened the show. Gallus. We've got Gallus, uh, whether that be Mark or Joe Coffey and Wolfgang. We've got Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams, who seem to be teaming up now for the foreseeable future, which I don't necessarily hate. Um, I don't know if Saxon Huxley and um, Tyson T-Bone are going to remain a thing, but you can see that we are starting to get down the down the card of relevancy here. You know, it's we need mm. four top teams, really. You know, NXT, you know, the US NXT, you always have four top NXT tag teams. Or you should do anyway. Mm-hmm. You look at the golden age of tag team wrestling in NXT, you had DIY, you had the Revival, you had the Authors of Pain, and you had American Alpha. Mm. Okay, I know that Ultra Pain came in slightly after American Alpha, but even and then so. even your undercard was like um, TM61 and Street Profits and all that, so you no know, excuse really. Yeah, they, they are loaded with tag teams, whereas the UK scene, we need to make sure that we are building teams. And I think the European Union really does add to that and add some legitimacy to that tag team division. Mm. Moving on to the opening of the show, and what a fucking way to open this show. We had the match to become the inaugural NXT UK Tag Team Champions. We had the match between Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, Mustache Mountain, who got an absolutely ear-splitting ovation, and the team of Zach Gibson and James Drake, the grizzled young veterans. First thing to note, Bate and Seven both had tights as tribute to the British Bulldogs, um, and Tyler Bate... Jesus Christ, that boy, that boy, fuck me. He is going mm-hmm. to be a star. He is unbelievable. He has everything. He has a unique look. He has a great moveset. He has good psychology. Decent selling when he wants to. Just amazing stuff. I, but I'm surprised, actually, there's a point of this match I where they did the Bulldogs power slam into Dynamite's headbutt. I'm surprised Gaff didn't mark out more. Yeah, I'm surprised that as well. But it was a nice little sort of cut back to that era. Obviously, um, a lot of the NXT UK shows were held in honour of Dynamite Kid who passed away at the end of last year. Um, This match was absolutely... Meltzer has raved about this match on his podcast. And I will be talking a little bit about Meltzer because I wanted to hear what he said about the show. And I've got a few notes about each of the matches, which I'll get on to at the end of the show. I'm going to do it all in one block so that we can talk about that afterwards. But this match was incredible. I love the Grizzled Young Veterans. I had them originally to take this match and then change my mind, which was stupid. Um, but Jesus Are you still Christ, annoyed you didn't get that double bed? I am still annoyed that I didn't get the double bed. Garth won predictions, which is just which sort of carries on the tradition of the person that doesn't watch the, the product winning the fucking predictions. Yeah, it's a weird outsider thing we have going on here. Yeah, Um you know what it is? It's because we're not invested in the product, so we have to go in, it'd be so cool if Coffee wins. And he's going, nah, mate, Dunn's probably going to win. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was, a, it was a depressing moment for me and Chris, who actually reviewed the NXT UK product, who came, I don't think I got a single prediction right. Never mind, never mind. Um, I got, I think I got someone. No, I didn't, shit. Oh, no, and no, I got no one. But I got no points. Yeah, both Quite me sad. and you got no points, which was oh, yeah. ridiculous. Um, anyway, we look at you know this match. Tyler Bate was fantastic. Trent Seven was the person who took a load of the offense early on. Got busted open really early on after a suicide dive. Very difficult from, uh, for us from where we were sat to see what happened, but he came in and obviously with his blonde hair, it became very obvious very quickly that he was bleeding. 
Gibson and Drake, what a team. You know, they performed the Ticket to Ride, the Helter Skelter. At one point, both Bait and Seven were held in joint Shankly Gate. That was a really good visual. Whilst Tyler Bates, showing his strength, sort of lifted up James Drake and slammed him into Gibson to break up that hold. It looked amazing. Suicide Dive Doomsday device was fucking sick. The Suicide Doomsday device, which I'm sure you will see it's been gift all over Twitter, um, Tyler Bates is on the outside on Gibson's shoulders and Drake comes through the ropes through a suicide dive and hits a doomsday device and Bates, thank fuck he does the full rotation because if he doesn't fully rotate, he's on the ramp and he would have broken yeah. his neck there's there's no way there's no way in hell he doesn't break his neck if it doesn't if he, if he connects, anyway that takes him out of the match which leaves Trent Seven on his own, though to be fair he does well for a bit but he's taken out with a ticket to heaven, and Zach Gibson and mm-hmm. James Drake become the inaugural NXT UK Tag Team Champions after 23 minutes and 47 seconds. Question, Chris, do you think this is the correct call, not putting the belts on Mustache Mountain? Yeah, because in NXT UK has the massive um, problem of possibly turning into Brit- the British Strong Style show so of how ring of honor became the book club show so putting it on someone else getting someone else over is a great way to do my only complaint in here is there was a straight kick out from a burning hammer don't straight kick out from burning hammer just don't do that <laughs> yeah chris got very very angry at that during the show that's a burning hammer don't kick out of a burning hammer yeah and like i remember i was annoyed because they was he was um teasing and and i was marking out and i was like why aren't you lot marking out you fucking idiot but anyway uh <laughs> It, it it was still and I'm, I'm going to calm down because this is just what happens in wrestling nowadays. Um, it was still a, an amazing match. There's great spots we didn't even call, like when James Drake stopped a suicide dive with a fucking drop kick. Yes, just, that looked incredible. Oh my god! Um, just everything, and like it is the perfect way to open it. It felt it's as good as any of those tag classics we've had for any NXT show. Like, it's up there with, like, Revival versus DIY. At least the first one. Maybe not the two out of three false, but... Oh, my God. So oh, good. yeah, definitely. This... this The problem was, with this going on first, the rest of the card had a lot to live up to. Um, I mean, yeah. all four men. There was no man being carried. Obviously, Trent Seven was the person who got the heat, and then we had the hot tag to Trent to Tyler Bate. We did have three hot tags to Tyler Bate, and I think each one got a little Maybe less... A bit much. Yeah, it got a little yeah. less over each one, but... That's been pernickety. Dave Meltzer gave this four and a half stars. He tweeted during this match saying if he was to create a promotion, the first person he would try and get is Tyler Bate because he could be the star in which you build a company around, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, Absolutely loved this match. Said that, you know, it was the match of the show and gave it four and a half stars. Now, me, you and Garth, Chris, we talked about this when we got back to the hotel and we all decided on eight out of Mm. ten. Do you agree with that rating or do you want to change it? Upon re-looking, I think I just didn't want to... I'm going to give it a 9. Because really my only problem with it is for kicking out of the Burning Hammer. And bait almost breaking his neck. But it was so good. Yeah, you know what? I think I agree with you. I think this match was outstanding. I think it's a great advocate for tag team wrestling, especially one of my huge complaints with the WWE. And I I don't want it to be, you know, we're ragging on the WWE show at all because we've got another moment in a, well, in a moment where I'm sure we'll talk about the WWE. But one thing I've said for so long is their lack of emphasis on tag team wrestling, especially on Raw. Mm -hmm. And I think 
this goes to show just how exciting tag team wrestling can be. And this match could have this mm. match could have headlined any WWE pay per view, and it would have gone mm. over because that's just how good it this was. This match, this match was a better tag match than any match in tag league, which is meant to produce amazing tag matches. It never does, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. This match was WrestleMania worthy. It was a great, great match, and that's not me exaggerating. This was an outstanding match. No, go watch it for yourself if you haven't for some reason. <laughs> Anyway, we then we saw this video package before the show aired, but then we got another viewing of it. Now, uh, Travis Banks. Why well, didn't I was in the bathroom? Well, no, you didn't. You were away. Uh, so Travis Banks was attacked by Jordan Devlin in the uh, sort of lobby of the Empress Ballroom. Devlin attacks. We then cut to this match now, and Travis Banks comes down first. It's announced that he is cleared to wrestle. Devlin comes down, Banks doesn't wait, suicide dive onto Devlin and seems to be getting his heat back to start off with. However, Devlin sort of slams him into the ring step, destroys him and Banks is led to the back. Now at this point, everyone's like, what the fuck is going on here? This is a bit shit. So Johnny Saint and Sid Scarla come out then and say, we thought you might be doing this, but don't worry, we have found a replacement. Now, at this point, everyone just went... We fought Walter. We fucking Walter this. Walter. You know, there was loads of people who were going, oh my God, it's The Undertaker. I heard one guy shout behind me. I was like, well, that's bullshit, isn't it? And then I heard someone go, it's Repo like, Man. It's it's not going to be Repo Man. The Brooklyn Brawl is not Brooklyn. Oh my God, I it's Vince. It's going to be Grado. Y- yes, you did say Grado. Anyway, the lights went down. Um, at this point... But imagine that. Light goes out. Imagine that the light goes out. Life is a mystery. Tell me that wouldn't get a pop. It will get a massive pop. The guy in front of us anyway thought that would get a pop. Anyway, the lights went down and at this point everyone went, hang on, Finn Balor's in the country. It's not going to be Balor. And everyone, it's not going to be Balor. Fuck, it's not going to be Balor. Smoke came. Holy shit. Finn Balor came out and the place lost its collective shit. There was only one time I've seen a building mark out that much much when RVD made an unannounced appearance in ICW. Just holy fuck. And this is 3,000 people all just losing all, all their collective shit. Apart from the guy on the right to me, but you know. <laughs> yeah, uh. probably the guy on the laptop as well. Um, but <laughs> this match, you know, it didn't matter what they produced in the ring because we had Finn Balor at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool actually wrestling a match against Jordan Devlin. And the place, again, was just... It was... You tell me that you cannot build the main roster around Finn Balor. Just look at the reaction that man got. I know it was his hometown, Mm -hmm. but that is the kind of reaction he gets everywhere he goes. You build that man right, that man is gold for the next 10 years. Just look at him. The man is a champion. That leather jacket, the fact that he looks like a corn on the cob because of his (laughs) fucking abs. The man is a fucking star. And I'm sorry, he came out. Amazing. Everyone just went, well... That's it. That's it. I mean, he's got his chance now. The night, um, a couple of nights later, he'd get his chance um, in a fatal four-way for the chance to take on Brock Lesnar at uh, the Royal Rumble. John Cena endorsed him, so hopefully he is getting that push. But at this point, we were like, "What the fuck is this?" And this match was okay. This match was good. It's probably the best Finn Balor match I've seen since WrestleMania. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, in terms of, I mean. Balor trained Devlin, so these two have obviously got chemistry, but straight away, Devlin's aggression was clear, really attacking, but Balor was the star of this match. 
Uh, we mm. had two sweet signs. We had the reversal of the bloody Sunday, uh, sorry, the bloody Sunday slash the nineteen sixteen, whatever you want to call it, um, for a near four. We've got coup de gras. We had all sorts. You know, we got Devlin hitting a moon sort and landing on Balor's knees. We then got the bloody Sunday into a running drop kick into the coup de gras. That sequence that ended the match and the place went fucking mental, absolutely mm. mental. Finn Balor wins, 11 minutes, 44 seconds, did not need to go a second longer than it did. And the only thing people could say, as Finn Balor is standing there with people, grown-ass men, grown-ass men, 40 years old, some of them, 50 if you're goth, okay, doing the arms (laughs) being thrown into the air thing without a single care in the fucking world. You tell me that that boy is not over. Jesus Christ. Absolutely unbelievable. And they did not need, like, Travis Banks and Jordan Devlin probably would have been as good a match and we'd still be raving about it. But just the the idea that, right, we're going to give Finn his wage he'd be getting for Raw or whatever just to have a match with someone down here. And not just that, fucking Devlin gets over because he's hanging with a former Universal Champion. Yeah, exactly. And this is the only good thing for Devlin. They wouldn't throw Finn Balor in there with anyone. They wouldn't throw Finn Balor in there Mm. with someone who wasn't a safe worker, who wasn't a good worker. Joseph Connors. Joseph Connors, for example. Yes, a boring worker. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the question that was on everyone's lips at this point was, I want to see this Finn Balor on the main roster. Ryan Satin said it. You've got Brian Alvarez tweeting it saying, why have we not got this Finn Balor on the main roster? And hopefully, I think this was probably in the pipeline for a while, if you believe what Meltzer says, which nine times out of 10, I do. Um, You know, he then got his chance in the very next Raw. So hopefully this paved away somewhat, but fucking hell, what a, you know, what a moment. The match, the match was okay. I mean, we gave it six out of 10. It was... I'd go as far as seven. It was properly um, just for the pop, like just for the crowd. I'd give it a seven, but it was great stuff. Like as good as you'd get in any TV main event. So, yeah, I think for this, you know, just that moment. You know, we talk WWE always consistently thrusting moments down your throat, and I think this is this is one of those moments. You know, Finn Balor debuting the first takeover in the UK, and Jesus, what a way to sort of cap it off. What a way to cap it off. We then cut I thought to... of a way to get Finn Balor over with Vince. Oh, Jesus. Go on. <laughs> well, you know how he loves abs. Just have Finn Balor great cheese every time he comes out. <laughs> On his abs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I, don't, I don't think it'll work. We could try it. Um, but you know what? If he wins at the Royal Rumble, which, you know, spoiler, I don't think he will, um, the place will erupt. Because that man as Universal Champion... Could... Absolutely amazing. I think he could, this could be Lesnar's best match just because of how good Balor is. If I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio on Tuesday and they were saying actually that uh, Brock has actually requested to work with Finn Balor because he enjoys working with not necessarily smaller men but men of a more athletic capability because, mm-hmm. you know, when he quotes his matches against AJ Styles at Survivor Series last year, Daniel Bryan against at Survivor Series this year, and those are his no, best matches. When you when you put him against someone like, even someone who can work but that isn't like an athletic worker like Ambrose, it kind of just dies a death. Mm. So you kind of need him against those smaller guys who the crowd love. And because to be fair, in everyone, I, like in the AJ Styles match, Calf Crusher just banging his head against the fucking canvas. Just that's the type of match Lesnar should be working. 
Yeah, I agree. If you're not going to work a full-time schedule, which obviously Brock Lesnar doesn't, then you need to be putting on barnstormers when you do. You know, if you when you do play, mm-hmm. you need to make it unforgettable. So, anyway, wish to be, wish to be. Yeah, we're not going about Lesnar. Let's but, just move on. Yeah, I was just going to say we'll have time when we uh, when we review the Royal Rumble. I'm sure that we you know will talk about this in more detail. Uh, for those who care, ladies and gentlemen, I am watching the football at the same time. And Newcastle have just gone two 0 up against Cardiff. So fucking get in. I know you thoroughly. Oh yeah, don't I forgot you were doing that. Sorry, I know you don't give a shit, Chris, but even so. I was just sitting there going, you went 2 now. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, the <laughs> anyway, we are going on to the no DQ match between Eddie Dennis and Dave Mastiff. Now, they did a good job of building this. The video package they showed did a decent job of building this match. Both men mm-hmm. were big, big hoss type men. Dave Mastiff and Eddie Dennis both got fantastic receptions. Eddie Dennis, Eddie Dennis especially. Um, what did you think mm. about this match overall, Chris? Great pass match. Just two men just pounding it. That sounds bad. Um, <laughs> just great, great stuff. Like the no DQ stipulation really helped. Like those fucking candlestick strikes from Dennis. Jesus fuck. Like. It's very hard to feel sorry for someone as big as Mastiff, but when you're hit with a candlestick that hard. Um, we couldn't see a lot of the ring being pulled up or anything like that from where we were because it was on the other side of the ring. But still, a fucking You Can't Escape, which is now forever its name, onto the <laughs> um, onto the concrete. Just there. Wow. Just amazing stuff. And I actually thought Dennis was going to put Mastiff through that table. Like, imagine if that... I know it's probably impossible. Um, to throw to do it safely, but wow! Imagine if that happened. Actually, Gaff loved Dennis because he did the razor's edge properly. He was like, "No one else can do the razor's edge properly, but Dennis can." So I like him. Now, when you consider that Eddie Dennis is well, what feels like about nine foot tall, and Mastiff mm-hmm. really, really isn't. Um, we've got Eddie Dennis taking on Mastiff, who is a, a chunky lad, a chunky, chunky lad, and he is carrying him in a He's razor's a edge, which he calls a seven bridge. Um, but you know, it just looked incredible. It got a massive pop as well, a huge pop from what I saw of this match because a lot of it took part on the outside to the sort of the ring part that we weren't looking at. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was just a really really hard hitting match. The chair shots sounded savage. We got a table out, which got a table chant. The that table the got over. Thing. The that table the got over. It was table table table. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, eventually Mastiff was in the position for the seven bridge. Dennis attempts to put Mastiff through the table. Dennis, rev- uh, sorry, Mastiff reverses it, puts him into the table and then puts him through with a running cannonball. Mastiff pins him for the win at 10 minutes and 46 seconds, which I think is probably the end of this feud. Do you think, Chris, that this was the correct result? Mm, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'll go... Because overall, Mastiff is more buildable than Dennis. And honestly, like it's a bit of a shame because I honestly think if Dennis was built properly, he could be a contender because he has that history with Dunn. Yeah. So, who knows? But honestly, Mastiff is an overall more unique talent. Like if I can see Mastiff doing well on main, whereas someone like Dennis, he's basically the same height as Michael McIntyre without any of the build. So I think he'd just end up being a jobber, unfortunately, if he went up. So 
I think this is the right call because Mastiff is overall more marketable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, we then. It's a shame because I do love Dennis. Yeah, I mean, again, similar to Isle of Dawn, not in the same capability. I find it hard to invest in Eddie Dennis, and that's just because of. I just find I find his size off-putting, and I know that's a ridiculous thing to say. You know, you shouldn't judge a wrestler on the size, but honestly, the fact that he is so gangly sort of takes me out of his matches a little bit because I find it quite comical. This match here <laughs> at the UK Takeover was very enjoyable, and it went some very very <laughs> far in you know making me like Eddie Dennis. It's just a case of I need to see a few more matches like that where he is just an aggressive fuck to basically get me invested. If he go, comes into every match, just beats the shit out of someone with kendo sticks shots that were that fucking hard, I'm more than happy. More than happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Meltzer gave this three stars, and we, upon seeing it, gave it seven stars. Would you agree? Stars. So, well, seven out of ten. Whichever one you want to say. Seven snakes, seven potatoes, seven oranges. Don't give a shit. Seven, we gave it. What do you think, Chris? I still think it's seven. You still I, think still sticking with seven? I think it's thoroughly, it's a thoroughly enjoyable big man match. Yeah, yeah. It's far better than I thought it was going to be. Far better. We then moved on to the NXT UK women's title match between the current champion, Rhea Ripley, and the challenger, Tony Storm. Um, again, great video package coming into this. Tony Storm upon her entrance. Her pop was on not quite Finn Bauer level, obviously, but she got an enormous pop. She is yeah. so so over, and it wouldn't super su- over. Yeah, it would not surprise me in the slightest if she's on the main roster this time next year. Great seeing CXT originals do so well. Um... <laughs> This is great, though. Um, fucking Rhea Ripley's Andrews music gave me a good chance to headbang and don't get that very often. Uh, oh, yeah. Shout just... out to the theme song for uh, NXT UK TV Blackpool, by the way. Doom, uh, Doomsday <laughs> by Architects. I've had that in my head for a week. Yeah, there was, also, there was also a Prodigy song on there, which made Gaff pop. Um, yes, it did. But this match was fine. Like Overall, I'd say it's for, in terms of just a match, it was probably the weakest. But in terms of audience retention is probably one of the better ones just because people were so behind Tony I enjoyed the storytelling of this match I Mm. enjoyed the fact that Tony Storm would not stay down Ripley was just the monster especially early on we had the blocking of Storm Zero and then the counting of the Riptide we got the Cloverleaf locked in which again live looks even worse but Tony Storm breaks out of that and applies the ankle lock um we had Ripley kicking out of Storm Zero, um, which, again, you just the selling of Tony Storm just makes every match an emotional roller coaster. When Rhea Ripley kicks out of that Storm Zero, Storm is looking at us, and you can see just the, holy shit, what do I do yeah. now? Just that look on her face. You're immediately invested in the match. You're immediately behind Tony going, go on, Tony, you can do this. We believe in you. And it we, just... Well, we didn't believe in them. We picked Ripley, but... Yeah, okay. Both of us picked Rhea Ripley, yes. <laughs> but do you know what? Fucking predictions went out the window. Because we were just... <laughs> she made me invest so much. And do you know what? Wrestling, in-ring psychology is most of it for me. If I'm not investing in a match, it could be a five-star classic. If I'm not investing in it, I do not give a shit. Okay? This Absolutely. certainly was not a five-star classic by any stretch of the imagination. But the 
in-ring psychology and the selling of Tony Storm and Tony Storm as a wrestler just it it made me invest in her and that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Great absolutely great stuff and her selling has always been good like just go back to um her match with Rhea like months and months and months ago where she was fucking crying. To be fair, she was actually injured but like actually crying in that match and it's like it was uncomfortable to watch that sort of level just like we haven't even praised Rhea who's like just the perfect heel yeah she is such a heel did you see the press conference they had before um like the week before takeover I saw bits of it I didn't see all of it though no it was she was just there with her feet up and Tony was giving like look at everything I've done this year there's no way I'm not winning this title and Rhea was just sitting there going you haven't beaten me and she's like, yeah, but I won the main in Karthik. I did all, all this. It's like, but you haven't beaten me. Just awesome, amazing stuff. Um, I wish they didn't bring in the whole Tony Storm ripoff into the storyline. But I'm not a fan of that. But the Tony Storm ripoff? It's still, uh, awesome stuff. Yeah, like they were saying, in the build-up, they were talking about um, how Rhea Ripley has a lot of similarities with Tony Storm, which is basically they both wear baseball caps and also like rock music was basically the similarity and I'm, also Australian. I don't think I've ever seen a similarity in Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm. I don't look at them and go, well, they're fucking similar, aren't they? I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. I mean, one of them is a big, badass bruiser heel and one of them is a tomboy who is one of the most over baby faces, in my opinion, in WWE. Never mind just NXT. You know, you put her in front of a crowd, people are chanting for a Tony, Tony, Tony fucking Storm. So... Yeah, that's, that's for Fingo, WWE can't do baby faces but too used to the cool heel like the attitude era ruined them in that respect yeah well sometimes you need that organic baby face and genuinely i think tony storm could be that organic baby face tony storm could be that oh, yeah, person it's a, it's at a the jeff pin- hardy quality she has yeah she could be at the very very pinnacle of women's re- uh, women's wrestling in wwe in the next two years she will be if if women's wrestling this year headlines wrestlemania which in my opinion it absolutely should and i think it will i think mm. it'll be becky and Ronda in some capacity, whether that includes Charlotte. It's natural for you to go there. Exactly. Tony Storm, in my opinion, is a wrestler that could do that in another couple of years' time, legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and t- she's just she's just fantastic. Eventually, she counters a Riptide into a Storm Zero for the second time. She wins the match at fourteen minutes and forty nine seconds, and then spends a ridiculous amount of time sprinting around the arena, jumping into the fans. You know. Everything she's been through in the last couple of weeks with those leaks and everything, you know, she deleted her social media accounts and all sorts. For her to then win the UK women's title and to hear the pop that the crowd gave her when she won the title, it was just a great, not redemption story, because I doubt that, you know, we needed to call it a redemption story. But, you know, just that fact that the entire audience was behind her, you know, you could see it meant a lot to her and... To be mm-hmm. part of that was excellent. Oh, absolutely. Just one of the biggest pops of the night. Just awesome stuff. Um, that women's belt is still fucking beautiful. Like, the belt itself is just amazing. Yeah, I agree. I'm a sucker for a white strap. Oh, I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> um, so, Meltzer. Meltzer absolutely loves Tony Storm. Absolutely mm-hmm. loves her. He says, you know, it, she is, she's beautiful, but... She doesn't have to rely mm-hmm. on her looks. She's also an absolutely outstanding women's wrestler. She's also an outstanding wrestler full stop. So, mm-hmm. you know, he had great praise for her, said that she, you know, she's really, really well in this match. He's given it three and a quarter stars. We gave it seven. 
out of 10. What do you think, Chris? Do you think 7 out of 10 still? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think simply for in-ring psychology, work from Toy Storm. And do you know what? Yeah, we don't talk about Rhea Ripley enough. Rhea Ripley played a fantastic part in this match. She's the perfect foil for Tony Storm, which you've already said. So, yeah, I'm more than happy about this. More than happy with 7 out of 10. Absolutely. We then get to the main event, which is Pete Dunne, the current WWE UK champion, taking on Joe Coffey of Gallus. Now, when we saw this live, and spoiler, uh, once we'd, you know, once the match had finished and we'd we'd gone back to the hotel and things, we gave this eight. Now, after we've reviewed it, we'll look at that again. And I'll tell you what Meltzer had to say about this match, because this match was polarizing, I think it's fair to say. Some people thought it was brilliant. Some people thought mm. it was an excellent match. Some, some people pe- think it's match of a year. Some people think it's match of a year. Those people are wrong. Um, some people think that, you know, it went on too long. Some people think that, you know, coffee wasn't on the same level as done. Some people think that there was too many botched spots. We'll get into that in a moment. The first thing I will say is that when Coffee came out with the Gallus teammates of Mark Coffee and Wolfgang and that theme song is going, which is stupidly catchy um he looked a million dollars he looked a million dollars yeah absolutely he he is just looks like he'd kick your ass he looks like a bouncer he does he does absolutely 100 he looks like a bouncer um this match you know pete dunn gets a massive reception when he comes in um overall chris mm-hmm. what did you think of this match I thought it was. It had a bit of a slow start, but it kind of needed to after the crowd was a bit. They were a bit tired by the time this match came in. They sort of needed to be eased in. But like when it got going, it really fucking got going. Like all the, their signature spots are so recognizable that you can tell they're coming from a mile off and it gets you excited. Like we were standing throughout most of this match because the crowd was so into it. And just. I think it was great stuff. I honestly like it about as much as the tag match. I think it's really good. Okay. Now, what I will say is that I enjoyed the match. It went 35 minutes almost. It went 34 minutes and 14 seconds. Now, mm-hmm. did it need to go that long? It doesn't need to, but I don't think it took... I, you probably could have cut five minutes off, but it didn't affect my overall enjoyment. I think maybe if I wasn't in the crowd, it might have. But like being in the crowd, I was sort of invested throughout the whole thing. Okay. Especially since I think I, think I was the only person in the whole arena who was rooting for coffee. Oh, no, I was, because at this point I hadn't got a prediction right. So And I had, you know, <laughs> rather stupidly in hindsight, thought that coffee was the man to take the belt off. Done, but we will we'll certainly get into that in a minute. Um... Overall, this was a good match. This this is my opinion. Overall, this was a good match. Was it as good as I thought it was going to be? Not quite. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. The first reason was I thought it took a, a while to get going. Um, which, you know, I don't necessarily think it should have done. I don't think it needed to go 34 minutes because by the time that we were getting into the finishing sequence or what felt like the finishing sequence, the crowd were exhausted. The crowd just, you know, it needed to be Mm. over, especially with what happened afterwards. You know, we got two spots where they botched it and they fell out of the ring. And, you know, after the first one, you think, ah, well, we'll we'll try something different. But instead, they went for it again. I'm not entirely sure the second one was botched. You know, it could have just been a spot where they fall. Joe Coffey, fair play to the lad for taking that bump. That looked fucking horrible. I fucking, like, but people don't fall like that on purpose. It was just 
awful. And you could see it happening. Like, you see it happen all the time at indie shows, and it never really happens. But, like, the, the fact the man's not injured, just wow. Yeah. Both men kicked it out of each other. Yeah, it was. Both men kicked out of each other's finishers. Um, the bitter end was kicked out of twice, which, in fact, was it kicked it out of three, three times? times? Wasn't it? Yeah. That's well, something no, else he, I he took didn't issue with. He, he didn't pin on the second one. He managed to roll up the ring. That's right, yes. But he did kick out of the third one. So that's mm. an issue. No one kicks out of the bitter end. Very, well, very, mm. very few people kick out of the bitter end. And the fact that Joe Coffey kicked out of three was a bit too much for me. If this match had gone 25 minutes, you know, mm. it would have been, you know, a nine-star match, an eight-star match for me. I just felt it went a bit too long. And that was a big thing for me. Another big thing for me was the finish. Now, at this point, Dawn hits another bitter end in the ring. And mm. Coffee kicks out. And it was a great kick out. It was a great kick out because all three of us, me, you, and Garth, all thought the match had finished. All thought mm-hmm. that Coffee had gone. He hadn't kicked out. And Dunn then applies a sort of uh, submission where he's twisting the fingers. Now, but <sighs> Coffee tapped out almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And. For me, if you've got a title challenge on your first pay-per-view, this wasn't the finish. And whether it was called in the ring, I don't know. But it seemed, I don't know whether coffee was exhausted. I don't know whether it was a spot that was supposed to be off the top rope, which they fell out of the ring. I don't know if that was supposed to be the finish. This shouldn't have been the finish. It made coffee look weak. And it generally just rubbed me up the wrong way slightly. Yeah, what I thought we were building up to actually was Pete Dunne recently, especially at Progress shows, has been doing the bitter end into a tombstone. Like, he'll do the pump handle into a tombstone. And I thought that's what we were building up to because Dunne has the strength to do that on the likes of the coffee. Yeah. It, it, was a t- it was a bit of a weird one. I think it was made more weird at the fact we couldn't really see what was going on on the mat. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that a couple of screens around the ringside would have helped a lot. They would, but don't forget it is a developmental territory, so ultimately, yeah. anyway. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is still a good match. It's just, it took me a while to get into it, and then I thought it went a bit too long. That's that's my main concern with it. The problem that we have with it, and Meltzer sums this up perfectly, this is how I was feeling on the way home, and I was thinking about it on the way home, and then I listened to the Wrestling Observer Radio, I think, on the Sunday night, and he was talking about the show, so it was a really, really, really good show. But he said that WWE with NXT has a formula. There are five matches and the show goes two hours and 30 minutes. And Mm. that happens with every single NXT takeover without fail. The problem was that the rest of the matches, okay, time-wise, you've got the tag match, which went 23 minutes. Fantastic. Didn't Mm. need to go any longer. was a really, really good match. Then you've got the Devlin match that went to shade over 10 minutes. You've got the No DQ match, which went to shade over 10 minutes. And then you've got the Rhea Ripley-Tony Storm match, which went under 15 minutes. That Mm. leaves Dunn and Coffey almost 40 minutes to fill. Now, Mm -hmm. is Dunn capable of doing that? Absolutely. Pete Dunn is capable of doing that without fail. I know you know more about Coffey than I do. Go on. He's known as the Iron Man for a reason. He used to have 30-minute Iron Man challenges, um, which were good Iron Man matches to start off um, ICW pay-per-view. So he can can go long, and he has gone long before. You've watched a lot more 
Joe Coffey than I have. I mean, I've watched, in mm. fact, I've watched no Joe Coffey apart from NXT UK, apart from the the show that we're reviewing very, very shortly. Um, do you think this is up there with Joe Coffey's best matches or not? Um, Yeah, mostly because I don't think he tries fully on smaller shows. Mm. Like, it's the best match I can think of him was would be against like Moose or against Beatty Gun at um, Fear and Loathing versus Better Than Men. This okay. is probably Coffee's best match, right? In my opinion. Okay. And keep in mind, I love this match. Like I'm not as negative on this match as Rob is. I think the length was fine. Like the botches, yeah, but I don't think they could have been helped. Yeah, I don't. I, don't get me wrong. I don't think you know the botches took away from the match. The thing that took away from the match. Not even took away from the match. The experience was outstanding and the crowd were into it. You know, we had the chance of, mm. are you watching, are you watching, are you watching Vince McMahon, for goodness sake. But mm. it's just that I thought after 25 minutes, that would have been the moment to end it because that would have got the crowd at peak excitement. You know, cut the 10 mm. minutes at the start, just go. Or oh, don't forget, this has been building effectively since episode one of NXT UK. And we're on now episode 20, episode 21. I think. So it's been building for a long time. You can justify them just going balls out. You know, if you've got time to fill, if you've got time to fill, the no DQ match only went 10 minutes. And, you know, mm -hmm. for me, I thought that ended a little bit prematurely. I thought they yeah, could have done more. had another five minutes. Easily. As could, as could actually Dablin and Bala, if we're being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, do, I do see your criticism and just didn't take away all that much for me and i'm not trying to persuade you otherwise it's just this mm. is what it made me feel like um now the criticism Meltzer had and i don't necessarily agree is he that... said it doesn't feel like a fight didn't he <sighs> yeah he's compared it to new japan which is a ridiculous comparison to make because the people in new japan are outstanding you look you know we compared it to the omega tanahashi match which is given five and three just gold in, stars just in the way those guys are trained you cannot compare the two different match like, entirely they're not like there's matches in japan you could compare this to but not that one no they're completely different the issue that he had was was not with pete dunn it was with joe coffee and he said that he could see mm. every time coffee was going to miss a move he could tell beforehand because whether it be coffee hitting them slower or whether it be a certain tick or what it was, whereas with Omega Tanahashi or a match like that, you can't tell when someone is going to miss a move. Now, I didn't know. Yeah, what you need to remember about coffee is that he's not used to like big stages. Like the biggest stage he'd be on is like a fear and loathing or something like that. Like he needs to learn to get rid of those ticks because he's never. He would, they would never have been on such a big stage before. So, and he will at the end of the day, actually, the developmental ground and coffee is still relatively young. It's, I think Melt is being a bit unfair on coffee. A lot of most, a lot of wrestlers have that ticks. Like Cena has that, and it didn't take away from his matches. I think Meltzer just wanted, um, needed to find so, something that made him not like the match, and I think he was a bit. I I, li I did listen to that actually. I thought he was a bit unfair on coffee. Yeah, he was. Um, but nevertheless, yeah. he gave it three and three quarter stars. We gave it eight on the night. Do you have any change which, with which that? Or... To a... No, I'd still give it an eight. I, I still fully enjoyable. I, th I think maybe I wouldn't have if I wasn't in the crowd, but I think you go there live for a reason and eight out of ten for me. Okay. Okay. So 
during Pete Dunne's celebration, the lights sort of went off again and the crowd went ballistic because... Apart from Garth. Apart from Garth, who didn't know what was happening. Fucking Walter. (laughs) Walter appeared, strode down to the ring to an absolutely enormous pop. I'm so happy that people knew who he was. He came down, he kneed Joe Coffey in the face, and then there was a stare down between Dunne and Walter, which tells me that the next headlining match of next NXT TakeOver UK is going to be Walter versus Dunn. Give me that, that would... now. Wherever that is in the UK, I'm still going to find a way to go there. Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's in fucking Stoke. Why would it be in Stoke? Um, All right, dickhead. Chill I'm out. Finding way down there. But what be? And just, like, just to put into perspective the gear Walter just had, working a traditional big man bruiser style. He has won the PWG title, the OTT Championship, the Progress title, and the Defiant Internet Championship. And that's not even everything he's um, had. He headlined Wembley Arena. He is throughout this last year, become a draw for other companies. So, like, ICW are using him to elevate their talent. He's just amazing. He is a very, very good competitor. When you think... He, yeah, and if you need a watch list, go watch Ring Camp versus British Strong Style. Just great stuff. Deadlift, German suplexes everywhere. But it's just so exciting. And like, I think this is going to be, he's going to be on a lesser deal just because he wants to keep working Europe. Like, he doesn't want to leave Europe. So I think he's sort of going to be an NXT UK stronghold, which I'm fine with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if more. Um, people... I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Yeah, and I think if more people did that, then it wouldn't necessarily ha- we wouldn't necessarily have the issue that we've got because I know it's it's been said that Walter wants to stay mm-hmm. in NXT UK, which is absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, what what a great way to end the show. Um, overall, Chris, what would you give this show out of ten? Um, eight. It's you can't ask for a, it. It was every. It felt like a takeover. Like it didn't feel like a side thing it felt very much like a takeover and the fact that none of the matches were bad none of the matches were like even mediocre all of them had memorable spots all of them stuck with me afterwards like all of them have unique talking points coming out of it none of them felt like the wrong person won even if it's not who we wanted to win so i'm i'm fine i love this show it's one of it's probably it, like if this fat fitted in, this is like in 2017 before like last year's amazing run of takeovers this would be seen as the best takeover. Yeah, it was a great show. I think eight out of ten is a perfect grade for it. It wasn't perfect. It was a great show and a really good showcase for the UK talent. Overall, I think this has set a buzz for the UK scene for WWE, which is what they were intending to do. Great, bring on the next one. I think you'll agree. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is a summary, a very quick summary, nevertheless, of our experience in Blackpool TakeOver. Great show. Really look forward to the next one. We are no longer going to be reviewing the NXT UK product. I simply can't. I simply don't have the time to do that. Impact, New Japan, keeping up with WWE. I, just, I, I can't do it. It's, it's not possible. We'll still review the TakeOvers from the UK. We'll try and go to as many as we can as well, um, similar to how we do the NXT 
US shows. We do them, we review them, but we don't do the NXT product. Nevertheless, thank you so much for listening, mm-hmm. guys. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether it be iTunes, Podcast Addict, Castbox, Stitcher, I, you know, Podbean, all sorts. We are everywhere. You can find us on Twitter at Podmania. You can follow us on Facebook at Podmania Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Real Podmania, Instagram, The Real Podmania. You can find me at Real Rob Goodwin. If you want to tell me I'm wrong or I'm a dick or whatever you want to call me, it's absolutely fine. You know, feel free. Um, Chris, where can they find you? At Young Lion CXT. DMs always open. <laughs> Slip into Chris's DMs if you feel like it. You can always find Garth at Drummer Jackson as well if you want the old man's point of view. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we will talk to you guys again soon.